So tonight, the subject of our teaching tonight is tearing down strongholds that hinder our passion. Tell your neighbor, say, you've got to learn to tear down everything that comes against your passion for God. Now, now we're going to talk about something. I'm going to throw it out there right now. We're going to revisit it at the end of the message. But the, I, I was studying this, and the Lord said this to me. He said, tell the people they must have a determined effort. They must have a determined effort. And, and, I, and I started searching this scripture about determined effort, and I'm going to show you some things tonight, and I'm telling you that I believe tonight that, that e- even if there's any area, because how many of you know we're always being delivered? Amen? Now, now what I mean is our spirit man is perfect, but every day we've got to be working on this flesh man. You, you can't let a day go by where you don't work on this flesh man. Because if you do, that sucker try to get some influence and some power in your life. So every day you got to spend some time putting him in check, letting him know the spirit man is still the boss. Amen? Matter of fact, let's just fill our flesh right now and say, Flesh, you have no authority here. Amen. Flesh don't have no authority here. Flesh has got to be subject to the spirit. And, our, and we are spirit. And because of that, we, we live by spirit. Amen. And the Bible says that if we don't live in the flesh, we won't get the things of the flesh. But if we live by the spirit, we'll reap the things of the spirit. And one of the things that happen is the spirit is so strong, it cannot be tied up. Oh, glory to God. The spirit, the spirit man is so strong, it's impossible to bind him. And the Bible says, how do you take over a man's house except you first go in and bind who? The strong man. He said, the only, way, the only way I can go in and take over Sid's house is if I go in and tie him up first. got to bind him so that then he can't do anything to me and I can do everything to him. Well, that's true. That's what your flesh is. Your flesh is the strong man of your life. And in order for you to live the godly life, you've got to let the godly life come in and bind up that strong man. And if he comes in and binds up that strong man, then the spirit has free reign to do whatever you want to do. And, and how many of you know that that's the life of a believer? That we ought to be living by the Spirit so the Spirit can have free reign in our life. Amen? Amen. So in the message tonight, I want to talk to you about how we can pull down the strongholds that Satan has over time built in our lives. Now understand, when we start talking about strongholds, I, mo- because most of us are born-again believers, we're not talking about, in some cases we are, but in some cases we're not, we're not talking about strongholds or fornication and adultery, and lust, and smoking dope, and, 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 and shooting, and murder. I'm not talking those kind of strongholds, but how many know that a stronghold is a stronghold is a stronghold? And that it doesn't matter whether it's a stronghold of murder, or a stronghold of depression, both of them will, will, will put you in bondage. So you never say, any stronghold, not according to God's word, will put you in bondage. So, 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 don't, so don't automatically assume, that, you know, I don't have any strongholds in my life. Begin to hear the Holy Spirit as he ministers to you about the strongholds. And so if the Holy Spirit says you've got a stronghold, guess what? You've got a stronghold. It doesn't matter whether you don't think you have a stronghold or not. If the Holy Spirit says, you know, you've got a stronghold in this area, you might be like, whoa, I didn't know I had a stronghold. But say, you know what, thank you for revealing that Holy Spirit, because now we can do something about it. Amen? So I, want, I also want to talk to you about the kind of strongholds. That, can, that Satan can build uh, when we allow him access to our lives. Uh, and anytime you allow Satan access to your life, he will put a foothold in your life. And a foothold looks like this. Have you ever tried to shut the door and somebody stick their foot in the door? Well, the, although, although the door is on its way shut, it's a crack there. And anything that you can get through the crack has access to the whole room. 
and, and the devil is not concerned with you and I as believers as throwing the door wide open to our lives. All he's looking for is a foothold. He's just looking for any place, any little undeveloped area that he can get his little hand or finger in because if he can get that in, then he can pollute the whole thing. And so what happens is we have to understand this and not allow the devil to get a foothold in our life. It is high time for the body of Christ to cast off the works of darkness and to walk in the armor of light and not give place to the devil. Too many of us, after making a decision to be passionate for God, and how many of you over the last several weeks made a decision to be passionate for God? I can't hear you. How many of y'all made a decision to be passionate for God? Amen. They have then allowed the devil to have a foothold in their lives. In many cases, we have let him have free reign to harass, oppress, uh, to bring us into bondage, uh, and God desires us to be free in every area. Amen. The whole reason Jesus died uh, on Calvary was to free us from the bondage of sin. And how many of you know that if the devil is harassing you because you're sick, he's harassing you because you can't pay your bills, he's harassing you because there's turmoil in your marriage, he's harassing you because you can't find a job, he's harassing you because everything you want to do for God seems not to be working, that that will begin to wear down on you, amen? And then he'll begin to cause you to be depressed. And then you'll start to get sick in other areas. Then you won't want to fellowship with the saints no more. And it begins to be this slippery, this slippery slope uh, that happens when we give him just one little area. Tell your neighbor, say, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take the whole world. See, not even a mile. He'll take the whole world. He ain't going to be satisfied with just a little area of your life. He's going to want it all. Amen? And, and because he understands that you and I in here are born-again believers, he knows he can't stop us from going to heaven, but he can try to make us live like hell on earth. And, and, and sometimes that's just good enough for him. He, 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 because if he can cause our lives to look like hell, then those people who don't know Christ will say, well, why do I need Jesus? And so then he's blocked them from receiving the ultimate prize, which is being like Christ Jesus. Amen? So God should be our rock and our stronghold. Say, God is my rock and my stronghold. But the problem is that too many believers have allowed the enemy to control the stronghold. Now, let me explain to you what a stronghold is because we're going to talk about it in two ways. A stronghold literally is a fortified place. In, in the days of old, there used to be a walls around the city. And, and not walls like you and I think of, but you've got to put this into context because when I was studying about these walls, the Bible tells us and historians tell us that the walls, like the walls of Jericho, for instance, were so wide that, that the chariots could ride twain by twain. That means two chariots could be going this way and two chariots could be coming this way because that, and they had room in between, so it was like a four-lane highway. So that's how thick the wall was. It wasn't, it wasn't some little house, some little hallway. It was a wall that was so massive that literally they could ride around the city on top of the wall and keep it going. Now, how many of you know that you can't just walk up there in a fortified city like that? So, I mean, it was, it was almost impenetrable. And so literally what happens is the enemy wants to get access to our lives so he can build a place that's impenetrable for the Spirit of God to activate. He, he, want, he wants to get in there and over time build up an impenetrable place in our lives so, the enemy, so, so that God's Word can't be heard in that place. Well, if you and I, can, 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 if, the, if the enemy can get into our lives and build a stronghold, guess what? We can expel him for our li- from our lives and build a stronghold that he can't get back in. And, and so tonight we're going to talk about how to tear down strongholds and at the same time how to build up some strongholds, amen? Because I believe that, that if we begin to build up some strongholds, some of the things that come in our lives and plague us won't be able to come in our lives and plague us anymore, amen? Go to Romans chapter 13. 
Now, I'm just going to take my time and teach tonight because, uh, you know, even as I'm standing here, I, I hear the Holy Spirit speaking even more things to me. And, and so I'm just going to minister. I got some notes here, but I'm just going to minister as the Holy Spirit leads. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 13. Now, let's look at verse number 10. Romans chapter 13, verse number 10. And we're going to read down to verse 14, but I want to put emphasis uh, on a couple of these verses. So Romans chapter 13, verse number 10. When you have it, say amen. It says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Or in other words, it says, love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. So I start off there to say this. If you will learn to perfect the love of God in your life, it is your first building block to establishing a stronghold in your life against the devil. It says love is the fulfillment of the law. So if you learn, because it, it's, it's not about, and sometimes people think, well, how much faith you got? Faith only works by love. And so if you, if you will learn that the very first thing you've got to get as a believer is you've got to learn to cultivate the love of God in your life because it's the fulfilling of law. And, and if I can fulfill the law, it is the one stone that I put down that all the other stones can be built around. Amen? And then verse 11 says, Besides this, you know what a critical hour this is, how it is now high time for you to wake up out of your sleep, rouse to reality. Tell your neighbor, say, it's time to rouse to reality. In other words, you need to wake up. He says, don't, don't be fooled. Now is the time for you to really, really look up and see what's going on all around you. He says, you need to rise, or you need to rouse to reality. He said, for salvation, the final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ the Messiah. How many of you have been saved over a day? Been saved more than a day? Jesus is closer today than he was the day you got saved. So, 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 so literally, you and I are in a position where we are closer to seeing the Messiah than when we first got saved. So every day is less and less time to be playing around. He says, now is your salvation nearer to you. Your final deliverance is closer to you right now than it was when you first believed. Glory to God. And somebody ought to be excited about that. Because there's some who believed and fell away, but I'm still here, baby. I'm still standing, amen. I am not, tell your neighbor, say, I am not shipwrecked. Uh-uh, I'm still here. I'm still, on, still on, on, on the seas for Jesus, amen. It says that, it says the night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us then drop, my, the Amplified says, fling away the works and deeds of darkness and let us put on the full armor of light. Now, now you got to hear that. He said, fling away. In other words, he says, take every wicked work, everything that's still in your heart, everything you ain't released for, then gave to God, everything you keep messing up and doing, he says, take that thing and fling it away. He says, get it, get it as far away from you as you can. He said, and then put on the armor of L-I-G-H-T, the armor of light. That is the word of God. He said, put on Jesus Christ. He says, put on the armor of light. And then he says this, he says, let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becoming as in the open light of day, not in reveling and drunkenness and immorality and debauchery and not in quarreling and not in jealousy. He said, but clothe yourself, watch this, with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging who? The flesh. 
put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires and lusts. I want to put emphasis on verse 14 because I want to show you something. In the King James, it says this, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's start with just that right there. When you put on clothes, in essence, what you do is you hide everything underneath. Now, 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 because understand, when I, put on the, when, when, I, when I put on my clothes today, you look at me and you may not be able to tell I'm as overweight as I am. Why? Because I put on some clothes, I've hidden some things. You understand? There's some imperfections here that you can't see because I have on clothes. He says, yes, you are a human being and there may be some imperfections, y'all better hear me, some imperfections in your life, but if you will clothe yourself with Jesus, he'll hide those imperfections. Are y'all awake in here tonight? He says, put on the Lord. Put, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus. Make it look like you ain't overweight, glory to God. Make it look like you ain't got nothing wrong with you. Make it look like ain't nothing crazy about you. Why? Put on. We know crazy underneath. Well, put on the clothes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself in Jesus, and now we don't even see those imperfections, glory to God. And then he says this. He says, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, and then he says, and make no provision uh, for the flesh. The Amplified says, make no provision for indulging the flesh. Now, how many of you know that when you make provision for something, you take time to make sure it's going to be there? If, if, if we went to eat right now, and I said, okay, it's ten of us in here, and we're going to go eat. When we got up to the table or to the person who was the hostess, I would tell them we need seating for how many? Ten. I am making provision for everybody to have a seat. If I went up to the hostess and said, you know what, all I need is nine seats. It's ten of us, but all I need is nine seats. Somebody is not going to be able to sit down with us. Amen? Why? Because I have not made provision. If you don't make provision for the flesh, the flesh don't have nowhere to sit down in your life. He, he says, clothe yourself with Jesus so that nobody sees the imperfections, and then don't go around giving the flesh opportunity to show up. Every time he show up, let him see ain't no seat left in your life. Ain't no door open in your life. Ain't no way that he can have access to it. Just make sure that every time he show up, they say, sorry, there is no vacancy. There is no vacancy in Tiff's life. There is no vacancy in Sid's life. There is no vacancy in Octavian's life. There is no vacancy in Barrett's life. Ain't no vacancy in nobody's life will go to FOC. So you got to go someplace else and find someplace else to dwell because there is no room at the end. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the indulging of the flesh. The Amplified says, put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature. In other words, he says you got to train yourself so that your mind doesn't even desire those old lustful things anymore. And, and really, that's what happens. And I've seen people who are addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, addicted to sex, and literally the power of God would hit them so strong, they would lose the desire. I mean, they would, they would absolutely lose the desire. Why did they lose the desire? Number one, they put on the Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah, put on him. Praise God. In some cases, these need to be put on them. But, but they had an experience with Jesus, and because Jesus doesn't crave those things, now they don't crave those things. 
So I'd ask you to, 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 govern, to, to, to check yourself, do a self-evaluation and say, you know what? If I am still craving things that are not of God, I don't have Jesus in that area. Because if you'll be honest with yourself and say, yeah, you know, I still do like when, when, some them, when some of them dirty jokes come across my email. I still do like when somebody tell a crude joke. I still do like when somebody do this or somebody do that. I like the way I feel when I get somebody told just every now and then. It's because you don't have Jesus in those areas. But you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and if you put them on, it'll cover up those imperfections. It'll, it'll take away the craving, and it won't provide any opportunity for your, for your flesh to do the things that it desires to do. Amen? Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. Because Romans says, this, it says, man, wake up. It is high time that you awake out of sleep. For now is your salvation nearer than when you first believed. It says love is the fulfilling of the law. Say your name and say love is the cornerstone to my stronghold. Now, now here's what's important about a cornerstone. The Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. It said, it, it said he, he, was the, he was the rock that the builders rejected, but now he's the very thing that upholds the entire kingdom of God. So love is the thing that's going to uphold every stronghold you're going to build in your life to keep the enemy out. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. Now, I'm going to read this out to King James first. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Come on. Every weight and every what? Sin. And both of them do what? They so easily what? Beset us. He says, Let us run with patience or consistency the race that is set before us looking unto who jesus who is jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before jesus endured the cross jesus despised the shame and jesus is now set down at the right hand of the throne of god it says in verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He says, You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now notice, if God, he says, he says in verse 12, he says in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, lay aside every way and every sin that does so easily beset you. Now, now here's what I like, because a lot of times you and I, to be honest, don't know what a weight is. Now, we know what sin is, but sometimes we don't know what a weight is, because a weight to Tiff may not be a weight to me. If the Lord says to Barrett, you don't watch TV, and he watches TV, it becomes a weight to him. But the Lord hadn't said to me, don't watch TV, it's not a way to me. He says, that's why you have to have a heart that doesn't uh, get upset when the Lord rebukes you about something. That's what verse 5 is all about. He says, that's why you cannot get upset when the Lord chastises you. I used to do this all the time. Pastor Sean and I was in this phase where I, she used to fast, and I wouldn't. And, 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 and then I started fasting, and she wouldn't. And I was like, well, if I'm fasting, you ought to be fasting. I like, if I ain't eating, you ought not be eating. 
If I'm praying, you ought, you ought to be praying. But how many of you know that you've got to learn to hear God and whatever God tells you to cast away, you cast it away? Because if you don't cast it away, even though it may not be sin to you, it will beset you. He says you've got to cast away every weight. Why? Because if God says get rid of something and you don't, it becomes a stronghold. It, it becomes a stronghold. Have you ever met somebody who defended something so strong? I mean, you tell them they shouldn't do something, and I mean before you can get out of your mouth, they don't basically attack you. Do you know why they do that? Because that thing that you're talking to them about giving up is a stronghold in their life. i give you a prime example. You can meet a person, male or female, who you know should not be with this other person, and you try to explain to them why they shouldn't be with that other person, and they'll almost cut your throat because you told them they shouldn't be with that other person. Why? It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold in their life. I'm that same way about Jesus. You try to come get Jesus from me, I'll hurt you. Why? Because Jesus is a stronghold in my life, praise God. And so strongholds in and of themselves aren't bad. It's when you have a stronghold that's keeping Jesus out. Not when you have a stronghold that's keeping the devil out. Amen? So the Bible says in Hebrews uh, 12 and 1, it says, cast away every sin. And I like what the Amplified says. It says every unnecessary weight. Every unnecessary weight. You, there are, there are, sometimes there are people in your life that become weights to you. There are people in your life who become weights to you, and he says, you know, there comes a time where you have to lighten the load. You have to care. If you've got somebody in your life that's always constantly being negative, always constantly pulling you down, he says that is an unnecessary weight. So he says you have to learn to cast away every unnecessary weight. Now, here's the problem with laying aside every weight and every sin. What most people call salvation is simply the first stage of God's plan for mankind's life, which is to conform him, mankind, in character and power to the image of Jesus Christ. If man fails to see his relationship to God as such, he will allow way too many areas within his life to remain unchanged and unchecked. Most people think like this, I got saved, that's good enough. I'm on my way to heaven. And although you are on your way to heaven, if all you ever equate with God is going to heaven, you will never allow him to speak to you so that you can get rid of all the other things in your life. It's why the Bible says this in Romans 12 and 2. You know what it says. It says you have to be what? Trans by what? The renewing of your... Because if you get born again but your mind stays the same, you will do the same things. So whatever stronghold was in your... Now, now, understand this. Whatever stronghold was in your life the moment before you got saved, it's still there. People say, wait a minute, but I, just, I just got saved. But your mind needs to be renewed. And so if you don't understand that, you've you, you got to understand that salvation is just God's first step in the great plan. What God really wants for all of us is to be, is, is to be conformed into the image of who he is. He wants you and I to become so like him that literally when he looks at us, he looks at Jesus. It's, it's the reason that you and I have to read the word, we have to hear the Holy Spirit, because he's constantly changing and conforming us. Pulling down strongholds literally is the, is the, the demolition and removal of our old ways of thinking so that the actual presence of Jesus Christ can be manifested through the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How many of you know that you can get born again and still be, and still be an angry person? 
You can come to church and she'll be an angry person. Watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes. You can pray in tongues and she'll be an angry person. The fruit of the Spirit is only cultivated when you and I tear down the strongholds of the world and begin to build up the strongholds of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Holy Spirit is... See, the Holy... I don't understand when people say, uh, or when you talk to people, and they never say anything about the Holy Spirit saying anything, other, anything to them other than they're going to be rich. I mean, you talk to people like, what did the Lord say? Oh, the Lord said I'm blessed and healed, and, and I'm highly favored, and I, I'm rich, and I got a plane coming. He didn't say anything to you about your attitude? Because the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach you to be more Christ-like. And so you mean to tell me that all he talked to you about is how you're going to be the next big thing, but he, how you're going to make it big, and how you're going to be the next big this, but he doesn't say anything about the fact that you're rude to everybody you meet? You know why the Holy Spirit, you know, you know why it is that the, it's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to people about that stuff. You know why they don't hear? They got a stronghold built up. They have a stronghold built up toward anything that the Holy Spirit says to them that's not sweet and nice. And, and it's not until you get in the presence of God and you can begin to tear down those things where you can begin to really hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Even right now, as I'm preaching, strongholds are in your life screaming at you that this is boring. They're screaming to you about, oh my God, I'm about to go to sleep, I need to wake myself up. Yeah, because that stronghold don't want the Word of God to get on the inside of you. Now, I can literally start preaching about money and how God's going to bless you, and that stronghold would release and relax itself. But I ain't going to let it relax itself tonight. No, no, no. We're going to deal with the issue of why it is that we can only take the sweet things of God. It's because we have strongholds in our lives in certain areas, and we don't want to let them go. It's the reason why you start talking about fasting. Folks get upset. Even if they don't say nothing on the outside. You say something like, okay, we're going to, I heard the Lord, and we're going to go on a 21-day fast. Now, in people's mind, they're like, well, is, is, that, a, is that just a, a juice fast, or is that a, is that a cheeseburger fast, or am I, am I just fasting from TV? I mean, what kind of fast are you talking about, Pastor? Why? Because they have a God called the Stomach God, and that Stomach God is such a strong God to them that he's a strong man. And the only way to get them to understand that fasting is good for you is to bind the strong man. Anything that has control in your life, you ought to take the opportunity to fast from it and get it in control. If you, if, if, if you, if you make the decision you're not going to watch TV and you catch yourself watching TV every time you say you ain't going to watch TV, you ought to unplug your television and put it in a room where you don't have a plug. Or, or, or put it in the back of your car. Give it to your friend. Do something. But you have got to understand that strongholds are real. And if, God, and if the enemy can get a stronghold in one area, he won't be satisfied. The people who I've seen walked away from this ministry, walked away from this ministry because they had a stronghold in their life where being told what to do was concerned. And, and it was okay when I was telling somebody else what to do, when I was correcting somebody else. But the moment that they had to get corrected, that stronghold stood up and said, wait a minute, he can't tell me what to do. She can't tell me what to do. They just a man. It don't even matter where you go to church. And see, that stronghold starts talking to you, and if you're not careful, you'll give in to the stronghold, and the stronghold doesn't care whether it destroys you. It just wants to be right. 
Tell your neighbor, say, you have to learn to overcome strongholds. So let's define what a stronghold is. I'm going to give you two definitions. One of them is mine, and one of them is what I got from the Apostle Paul. Somebody said, where'd you get that from? Did he call you? No, I read in the Word. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Because I said that like Paul called me and told me his definition. Here's how I define a stronghold. A stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes one to accept something. It's a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes somebody or causes one to accept something that he or she knows is contrary to the will of God. What a, a stronghold, it's a mindset. It's where your mind is literally set. It, it, is, it is a mindset that in essence says we are hopeless. We have no hope. Even though we got Jesus, we are hopeless in this world because my mindset says I'm hopeless. So no matter how much hope I got, I think I'm hopeless. Even though I can articulate to you that the Word of God says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I know all of these scriptures. I know all this Word. But yet in the pressure situation, I feel like I have no hope. You have a stronghold where trusting God is concerned. Man. I'm preaching, baby. Y'all saying amen. I'm t- you have a stronghold with trusting God. Well, I trust God. You only trust God till it gets tight. You trust God from here to here. But in order to get over here, you're going to have to get some pressure put on you, and you're going to have to stand the test of time. And for most people, they have not spent enough time building up a stronghold against the enemy. So when they get from right here to right here, he starts bombarding them, and then the stronghold that they built up is not as strong as the one he's built up, and then yours crumbles. And the dangerous part about this right here is that when you fail in the middle of the faith process, it's hard to ever get back to this point again. If you ever quit in the middle of the faith process, it's going to be that much harder to even get back to that spot. Why? Because now the devil has built up a stronghold right here, and while you go back over here, he's going to keep building that stronghold. He's going to keep building it. He's going to keep building it with faults. And what, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is simply a collection of faults. It's wherever your mind is set toward a, toward a particular thing. So I define a stronghold as a mindset that's been impregnated with hopelessness that causes one to accept something that he or she knows is contrary to the will of God. Why would you accept disease when the Lord said you're healed? Tell your neighbor, say, too many Christians are managing sickness. Now, now I'm telling you now, if, if you got sickness in your body, and I don't care what kind of sickness it is, if, if, if you know, and I've talked to some ladies here lately, I don't know what the deal is, they talk about these horrible cramps they get when they're on their period. That is not from God. So if, if, if every month you're cramping so severely that you're sick, you can't move, you can't function, when you're not on your period, you need to be building a stronghold about not being sick. Are y'all listening to me? 
and so you, you got to spend time doing that. So when the devil says, oh, it's that time, you're going to get sick. You're gonna, you can't go to work. You, you ain't going to make no money. You want to take off days of work. You ain't going to get paid. You already got your stronghold built up so strong that when he says that, it just hits the wall and bounces back. Take it and say, what's wrong is too many of our strongholds has cracks in the wall. Too many of our strongholds has cracks in the wall. So you got a stronghold, but your stronghold's been piecemealed. You built your stronghold based on a couple of things Pastor Sean said, on a couple of things Pastor Edwin said, on a, on a couple of times you read the word, but you didn't spend any time putting any cement between those blocks and sticking them together with the word and compacting them together and building that thing higher and higher. And so when the enemy comes in, then you are now having your wall crumble. And when your wall crumbles, he establishes his own stronghold. Watch this. That's what we're trying to do in Iraq. We went to Iraq because they had a strong man there named Saddam Hussein and a strong man there named Osama bin Laden. And we said the only way we're going to get either one of them to stop doing what they're doing is we're going to have to go over there, and we're going to have to get the strong man. And what's this? We go over there to get the strong man, and then we establish a stronger man in his place. Why? Because now the strong man is in his place looks like the same person where he was, where he came from. Oh, y'all should get this. Jesus comes from heaven to live in your life, to establish inside of you a stronghold so that the stronghold in your life makes you look just like heaven. So that your life looks like, do you, do you, do you really understand that it ain't no demons coming in heaven tearing stuff up? Ain't no debt coming in heaven making heaven go into bankruptcy? Ain't no, ain't no demons coming in heaven causing heaven uh, angels to be sick. Why? Because heaven is fortified. He said, I would that your days on earth would be like days of. So if heaven's fortified, my life's fortified. If I, if, if I let the stronghold in my life be what the stronghold in heaven is, which is the word of God. Do you understand everything in heaven is functioning off God's word? The streets that we talk about that are paved in gold, what do you think they're paved in gold off of? God's word. The pearly gates that's holding up heaven, what do you think they, what do you think they, they made out of? God's word. Everything that's functioning in heaven is functioning off God's word. And so you and I have got to understand strongholds is something we need to build in our life based on the word of God so it keeps the enemy out. Amen? Now, here's how the apostle Paul defines stronghold. He basically says it like this. He said, it is a speculation, a speculation of lofty things that raise up against the knowledge of God. The speculation of lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. The speculation. Now, what does it mean to if you speculate? Come on, talk to me. What does it mean if you speculate? I, I'm guessing. I'm thinking about it. When, when, I, when I speculate, I don't have all the facts. I'm really just making a guess. I, I'm speculating about how the economy is going to turn out. God already knows how it's going to turn out. 
I'm speculating about whether or not if I do this and I do this, how it's going to work out. So he said it's a speculation of lofty things, things that are high that exalt themselves against God. Here's a lofty thought. I won't pay my tithes this week. I'll pay my bills, and then when I get enough money, I catch up on my tithe. It's a lofty thing. It sounds good. It's high-minded, but it goes directly against the Word of God. It goes, direct, it goes directly against the Word of God. And so what happens is anytime I go against the Word of God, a stronghold begins to be built up in my life. Amen? Now, go to Romans chapter 5. Let me show you something. Now, we're going to go to Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read for a minute because I want you to see this. See, so you've got to tear down these strongholds or it will affect your passion for God. You'll be excited about God when you're in here, but you'll never be excited for more than a day or two. And you know what? Even if you came to church every day and kept your excitement, that's not the way you ought to live. If we had church every day and you came to church every day and that's how you got excited about God, that is not the way you ought to live. You ought to be able to have the same kind of passion about God whether you're in church or whether you're out of church because you are the church. So now watch this. Romans chapter 5. When I talk about strongholds, I'm not talking about random thoughts because everybody has random thoughts that run through their head. Everybody has a thought and you go, where did that come from? I'm not talking about when you make a mistake and you sin and you, you, you mess up and you, you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. I, sh- I shouldn't have acted like that. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are systematically thinking a particular way like your thought process is anytime somebody tries to hurt me, I'm going to hurt them first. If I think you're trying to get me, I'm going to get you first. That's how my mind is set. That's what I do. Not that I did it one time, but every time it happens, that's what I do. So I want to be clear that when I'm talking about strongholds, I'm not talking about random thoughts. Because we can't control what always comes to our mind, but we can control what we meditate on. So you can't control what you meditate on. And, and, you know, and, 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 and that's what happens with lust. You know, lust says you see somebody, you go, ooh, they fine. And you turn your head. Okay. But then when you turn around and look again, see, now you, now you could have controlled that. I might not control somebody walking by me, but I can control looking back. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. No, no, no. I might not be able to, to control how I look at somebody at first, but once they gone by, I ain't got to keep turning around talking about, oh, Lord, if I wasn't man. Uh-uh, see? You done went too far. So now what happens is that thing jumps into your life and starts building a stronghold. And it starts attaching itself to every other lustful thought. Anything on TV, anything on the radio, anything that's in your mind, that's in, that's in your life, it now begins to attach to it to make itself even stronger. Now, 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 notice in Romans chapter 5, let's look at verse 13. Because a stronghold can be a source of protection and defense against the devil's influence, just like when he comes into our life and tries to create a stronghold against the Word of God. We can use a stronghold to keep him out, amen? Romans chapter 5, verse 13. Let's just read for a minute. It says, For until the law, sin was in the world, But sin is not imputed where there is no sin. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, that was, that was Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. When Adam sinned, we all got condemned. Amen? It says, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense, one man messed up, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, that's us, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the same one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam's disobedience, Many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now notice, we were made sinners. It was a stronghold of disobedience that came into the world by Adam. And because of that one stronghold, we all became disobedient. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, you were born in the sin. It doesn't matter about your family. So I don't care how rich they were or what they were. You were born in the sin because the stronghold of disobedience was in Adam's life and it followed all of us. But the Bible says that Jesus came and Jesus was obedient unto God. And so then when you and I obeyed the word of God, the stronghold of obedience came into our life and now we're free and justified. Amen? That's the reason to give God praise. This is for us. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now keep reading. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, what does it say? God forbid. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized into death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. Tell your neighbor, say, you should walk in the newness of life. Then he says this. He says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of Jesus' death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Praise God. Knowing this, watch this, verse 6. That our old man is what? Crucified, and that the body of sin might be what? For henceforth we should not serve what? For he that is dead is what? Free from what? He then goes on to say, he says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Because death has no more dominion over him. Now, let's stop for a second and think about this. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death has no more reign over him. So what does that literally just say? What did it just say? Sin has no reign over him. Now, what happened to the scripture as he is? 
So am I. So if death or sin has no more reign over him and you and I have been buried in his likeness and we have been raised in his likeness, the Bible says we ought to be walking in a newness of life and that newness of life should say that there is no more sin or death reigning over us. Well, that's how strongholds get in your life because you don't lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset you. Now, now, we're not done with this yet. Keep looking at this. He says in verse 10, For in that he died, he died unto sin. How many times? Please read that. He died unto sin how many times? Once. It says, But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. What? Forever. He lived unto, now, 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 you ought to get this. Here's what he's saying. You ought not be dying from sin every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You ought to die from sin one time and spend the rest of your life living for God. He said, but the reason it doesn't happen is because we don't get the strongholds of the world out of our life. And so because we don't get the strongholds of the world out of our life, we keep having to die to sin over and over and over and over. He says, but your example, Jesus Christ, only died to sin. He spent the rest of the time living under God. And you and I ought to get that in our minds. I don't want to have to always be asking God to forgive me for the same thing over and over and over. You ought to get sick and tired of asking God to forgive you for the same thing all the time. You've got to say, you know what? I am tearing down this stronghold. I am building up another one. And I'm never going to let that thing re-enter my life again. Watch this. Verse 11. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but be alive unto God. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You, he, and watch this. That's even a mindset. That's even a mindset that you've got to say, I'm dead to sin. That's a mindset because, and Pastor Dollar does a wonderful job talking about this, but he talks about being sin conscious and being righteousness conscious. And for most people, they are sin conscious. But the scripture clearly states right here, it says, likewise, you be also be dead to sin, but be alive, through Je- be alive to God through Jesus Christ. He says, you've got to become righteousness conscious. Then in verse 12, he says, let not sin, therefore do what? reign or have dominion in your what? Natural mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. He says, be careful. Don't you let sin get so strong in your life that every time sin want to do something, you find yourself doing what sin tells you to do. He said, that is a stronghold in your life. And if there is something that you are doing and you know it's wrong and you keep doing it over and over and over again, hear me, it's a stronghold in your life. And that stronghold will not go away unless it is demolished. And it can only be demolished by something that's stronger than it is. And most people get into this thing of saying the devil has no power. The devil does have no power. The The devil does have power. He just doesn't have as much power as God. 
But the devil will whoop you senseless in your flesh. He will beat your tail and cause you to be crazy and broke and sick. Don't you think he doesn't have power? He does. We just don't worry about it because his power is so small compared to what we got through Jesus Christ. But don't you think the devil doesn't have power? If he didn't have power, the, if he didn't have power, the Bible wouldn't say that he is the God of this world. Now, now watch this, because we're getting to the good part right now. Verse 13. He says, Neither yield ye your members. And I like to amplify it. He says, Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and your faculties to sin as instruments or tools of wickedness. He says, Don't keep using your mouth to speak profanity. Don't keep using your body to, be, to, to do things that are sexually deviant. He says, don't yield your body to instruments of sin. He says, you're dead to sin. You're not supposed to be living in sin anymore. Don't yield your members to it. He says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive, as those, as those, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. He says, for sin shall not have what? Read your Bible. Y'all looking at me. Read your Bible. What does it say in verse 14? For sin shall not have what? Dominion over who? You. For why should sin not have dominion over you? Because you are not under the law, but you are under what? Grace. Jesus died for you. And I want Christians to stop doing this. I want us to stop saying Jesus died for us and then we still struggle. You should not be struggling with sin when Jesus already paid the price. If you're still watching pornography, if you're still lying, if you're still cheating, you have not gotten that part of your life under the blood. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody in here who has ever stopped doing anything they used to do? Have you ever stopped? It's because you got that thing under the blood. I used to curse all the time. I even, I told the story before, I tried to stop and I couldn't stop. I would stop for periods of time and then something would happen and I start all back and then it's almost like I go right back to where I was in the beginning. It was not until I got that thing under the blood. Cursing is no longer a stronghold in my life. In fact, I can stub my toe in the middle of the night and a curse word don't even come to my mind. Why? Because it's no longer there. I am dead to cursing. Ask your neighbor, say, what are you dead to? And for some Christians, not much. For some, really, they own their way to heaven, but they're not dead too much. Why? Because they have so many strongholds built up in their life, and they won't let the Word of God come in and take the strongholds down. Now, we, now watch this. Verse 15, we're almost there. He says, What then shall we, can, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And what does he say? God forbid. Please don't misunderstand this. I'm not telling you you ought to go out and just sin because you're under grace. I'm telling you you shouldn't want to sin because you're under grace. I'm telling you that you shouldn't sin because you're not who sin is anymore. Then verse 16. He said, and let's read this together. Ready? Read. Know ye not that to whom... Now, did you just get that? 
He says, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. Whether it be sin that's going to cause you to die or obedience is going to cause you to live. He says, you make the decision who you yield yourself to. And whoever you make the decision to yield yourself to, that's who you're going to become a slave of. You're going to become a slave of righteousness or you're going to become a slave of sin. And, and watch this, a stronghold has to be built to do either one. A stronghold has to be built to do any one. Lots of people think a stronghold is just going to be built for them. No, 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 no. You're going to have to build a stronghold. Even hearing me preach won't build a stronghold for you. You have to go back in your mind and you have to agree and, and, and you have to meditate on that word in order for it to benefit you. It's the reason, and I'm always fascinated. I don't know if that's a good word because fascinated is kind of like fantasy and we don't believe in fantasy. But for lack of a better word tonight, I'm always, I'm always intrigued. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm always intrigued of how somebody who has never been to our ministry will walk through the door, will hear me preach, hear Pastor Sean preach, and in an instant get changed in their life. But you hear every Wednesday, every Sunday, every meeting, every prayer, and still you're struggling with the same thing. What? And I keep, I always ask God, God, what's the difference? He said, because when they come in and hear you for the first time, what you said is stronger than the stronghold they got. But those who have heard it so many times before has literally built up a resistance to it. So I didn't heard pastor preach about stronghold. I didn't heard pastor preach about faith. I didn't heard pastor preach on it. I didn't heard him say we need to fast. I didn't heard him say we need to give. I didn't heard this before, but it ain't working for me. And it ain't working for me. It's stronger than everything we preaching. I've tried it before and it didn't work. It's stronger than everything we're preaching. And until everything we preach gets stronger than I've heard it before, that stronghold is going to be in your life. But here's the great thing about strongholds. You can decide to blow them up at any moment. I thought this was so good when God said this. He said, what does it mean when I said I'm going to give you power? He said, I said in, the, in my word that you're going to have power after that the Holy Ghost comes up on you. He said, what does that word power mean? So, and I've talked to you this before, and you may not remember, but the word power means deutimus. The word deutimus is the same word as the word dynamite. They lie. So if you get the Holy Spirit in your life, or you have the Holy Spirit in your life, Deutimus, dynamite, you can blow up any stronghold in your life. You can, you ain't, you ain't, I don't have to lay hands, I don't have to anoint you with oil. Now, I'm not against laying on hands, but here's what I believe. If I lay hands on you and I have to keep laying hands on you, the stronghold is not destroyed. I am knocking it down, but then when you leave, you're building it back up. But if you lay hands on you, 
glory to God. If you anoint you, glory to God, and you knock the stronghold down, you can destroy that thing in your life. So, how do strongholds take, how do, how do, the question becomes, how do strongholds take root? Because this is important. You've got to know how they take root. Here's how strongholds happen. In order to fully understand this, you've got to look at when did strongholds get started in your life. Most of you in here that are struggling from a stronghold, you didn't get it yesterday. The strongholds, the str- so many people have a stronghold where money is concerned because you grew up in a house where there was no money. And, and, and you relate to money the way you saw it come in and out of your life. I'll give you a prime example. Every now and then I'll see something and I'll just say, well, I ain't paying that much for that. I ain't, I ain't buying that. My daughter has absolutely, she didn't have it in her vocabulary. And, and we laugh, but I'm telling you, she does, Taylor does, she, she has no concept of that's too much. You, you won't even hear her say that unless somebody else says that around her and then, and then she's trying to be polite after she done already asked you for something. Why? Because saying we don't have enough for that or we can't buy that or that's too expensive is not something we've ever said in our family. So she doesn't have a stronghold to it costs too much. So whenever she wants anything, she assumes it can be had. Oh, I'm preaching to y'all. But the reason why you can believe God for bread, but you can't believe him for a house, is because you ain't never had anybody in your family, in your circle, in your life, buy something the size of a house with cash. So because you've never done it, there's, and you've never seen anybody do it, and we don't even hear nobody talk about it except for people on TV that we don't know. So we believe it can be done, but not for us. Why? Because there's a stronghold there. Tell your neighbor, say, that's why you ought to want to be the first one. Yeah, yeah. See? And I tell people all the time, it wasn't that Sean and I could not go out and buy a car, cash. We could have we we went out, and, I mean, in finance. I could have went out and got a car and financed it. We had done that many, many times. But nobody I knew in my family had paid as much for their car as I had paid for mine in cash. So here's what I figured. If I keep driving Chris' car, if I keep borrowing Tamara's car, if I keep paying them to let me drive their car, while God is working on something for me, now that I've done it one time, I don't have a stronghold in my life about buying cars with cash no more. I don't have a stronghold. I will never finance another car another day of my life. And you ought to shout about that. Why? Because now that I've done it, you ain't never got to finance another car not another day in your life. Now, immediately, if you start thinking, well, I'm going to have to drive this car for 20 years before I can get another car, that's a mindset that has to be changed. 
If you immediately started thinking, well, man, if I ain't going to finance a car, it's going to take me forever to get a new car. That is a, that is a mindset that you need to acknowledge and you need to throw it down. Because if you don't, you will drive that same car for 20 years before you get another one. Say this. Say, if I'm willing to stand, I won't have to stand for long. If I'm willing to stand, I won't have to stand for long. You, you, you got to have some determined effort. Now watch this. Strongholds come from worldly influence. 1 John 5.19, just write it down. You ain't going to go there. 1 John 5.19 says this. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, now he says, you and I know we are God, but the whole world out there, it lies under the sway of the wicked one. This whole economy is based is because the wicked one messing with folks. He is terrorizing people. You know why the price of oil keep going up and down and up and down? Because he's terrorizing people. He is terrorizing people. He told the people on the stock market they were going to lose all their money, so they all ran and jumped all their money out of the stock market so prices fell. Now he's going to tell the people, now's the best time to buy oil. They're going to run back over there and buy some more oil and the price is going to go back up. He's just terrorizing people. And so what you have to understand is, hey, wait a minute. I, I can't get off track based off that world system. It, it's governed by the enemy. Here's the other way that, that, that strongholds come. Many strongholds are a result of an accumulation, say accumulation, of uncrucified thoughts. It, it, it is a culmination of uncrucified thoughts and unsanctified attitudes that have ruled our lives during our formative years. As children growing up in the world that is under the influence of the sway of the enemy, you and I are constantly, even now, receiving a steady stream of misinformation, a steady stream of despair, a steady stream of how bad the world's going to be. Watch this. There is more money in the world today than there's ever been. No, you don't hear me. There literally is more money. Russia is producing more billionaires than ever before. But where do you think the money coming from? It's in the earth. I mean, every year, when you look at that Forbes list, don't the number get bigger? I remember when it used to be Forbes 400. It was, it was the 400 richest people in the world. Don't even do Forbes 400. They're like Forbes 650. Forbes 700. Why? Because you got billionaires now, and you got to put them all on the list. There's more money in the world than it's ever been. But a stronghold in the body of Christ says, you know what, you better cut back. We ain't going to have much. That's, what, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lie. It's come straight from the pits of hell. Many of our opinions about life and many of our opinions are because we have no other way to think. Most of our opinions we have right now is because we don't have any other way to think. We get our opinions from our parents and from society. Like, you know, it's still a lot of people think right now when they interview for a job, that if you're black, you ain't going to get the job. No, I'm serious. There's still a lot of people who think that. You know, I heard, I heard an African-American parent tell their kid this the other day at Chase's football game. And I know I heard this as a kid growing up. You, some of you probably did too. They said, you got to work. You got to be twice as good and work twice as hard to get the same chance. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. 
And, and what we and, I, oh, and, and, and what we do is we tell our kids inadvertently that you're not going to get a fair shake. So we set up a stronghold in their mind that says if you go up against a white kid, more than likely you're not going to get the job if they're just as good as you. Oh, y'all don't get scared up in here. And, and we think we're doing them a favor, but what we're really doing is building up a stronghold in their life. I tell my kids, all you got to do is be your best and walk in the favor of God. And if the favor of God go before you, they can be better than you and you'll still get the job. This ain't in my, here's how favor works. I drove down today. This morning, I took my daughter, me and Sean, well, Sean actually took her to go get her schedule. And she called me because she said, I need you to come up here because they gave Taylor band and PE and athletics. So all she had was band, PE, athletics, and then her four core subjects. We're like, well, no, we're not doing that. First of all, she don't want to be in band, and she don't need to have PE if she's in athletics. So I went up there, and we talked to the people, and the woman who, was, the woman who used to be the secretary got promoted this year. Now, she's a born-again believer, praise God. So now she is the registrar who is the person who's going to make the decision about what class the Taylor's going to have. Because we're not, we're not timid about telling people, when people say, well, what do you do for a living? My first response is always, I'm a pastor. And I also work for an educational consulting company. But, but when people ask me what I do, I'm a pastor. And so we got to talking to the woman, and she had this scripture up on the back, and we was quoting the scripture and talking to her. And, 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 you, can, and, and you can tell when somebody's a born-again believer. There's a connection there. So we get to talking to the woman. And I'm talking about favor. Here's how favor goes. She, Taylor says, well, I want to take Spanish. She said, well, you, did you make an A for both semesters? And Taylor was like, no. And I was like, see, I told you, everything you do is, is, it, can, it can come back on you. So the woman says, well, let me go see what your grades were. She goes to the thing. She pulls out Taylor's permanent file. Taylor made an made a A the first semester, and she made an 88 the second semester. But that's still a B. Taylor never said, it's still a B. And the rule says you got to have what? A A win, both semesters. The woman looked at Taylor, and she said, you know what? I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and give you Spanish one. Now, you think, oh, that was just nice. That wasn't just nice. That was favor. That was favor. And then she said, and you know what else I'm going to do? She said, I'm going to take that PE class away. And she said, I'm going to give you to be the library assistant because that's going to help you with some leadership abilities. And it's going to give you a status in the school so that you can help witness to other people. And her, me and her mama looking at her like, uh, are you going to shout in here or what? Because we waiting on a shout. Because a shout is deserved. Now, what, what, what happens is, if we had been telling her, yeah, girl, you know, them white folk ain't going to let you up in that class. Now, I just talk like that. I mean, I'm just, y'all just have to excuse me. I just be, I just be honest. And that's stupid. I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but that's stupid to tell your kids that. Why? Because it was a white lady sitting behind the desk who gave us that favor. Because she's not black and I'm not white. We're children of God. And that's what you got to get in your head. We're children of God, one believer to another believer. That's the favor of God going before somebody. But if you got a stronghold in your mind that says, ain't nobody going to never help you out or never do nothing for you, you're going to always miss out on opportunities. And so a lot of the strongholds we have, we got them because our childhood. I mean, let's just be honest. We got them from our childhood. And if somebody try to take it from you, oh, man. I remember when I was... When, when, 
I think it was, we got married in August. The first year that Shona and I was married, now in our family, we always did Christmas when? Christmas Eve. Okay? That's how you do it. Not Christmas Day. On Christmas Eve, everybody get together at Meemaw and we all exchange presents. Now, that ain't no law nowhere. That, that, that was just something we did. But the first time, when my wife was like, well, we ain't going down there to Christmas. What? Oh, it was contentious up in the house. Why? Because it was a stronghold that said you got to do it this way. Now, that may sound silly to you, but what are you holding on to that you don't even know why you're holding on to it? What is it in your life that God done told you to get rid of, but you can't get rid of it? We got people, listen, there are people who have said to us, well, I can't come to church here because y'all don't do communion on the first Sunday. What is sacred about the first Sunday? You can do communion at home anytime you want to. But you got a stronghold in your mind that says you can't get blessed unless it's done on the first Sunday. Everybody got on white and you got to have one of them little doilies on your head. Now, come on. That, take your name and say, that is a stronghold. And, and, and now we can laugh about those, but I want you tonight to be self-reflective about the things in your life you're holding on to that God has talked to you about that you still haven't let go. Even if it's a him or her. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23 and 7. For as a man thinketh where? So is. So you are whatever you think. You are whatever you think. You think that the only way the only person can be anointed is the preacher, you will never be anointed. Now, I'm going to close because I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get too far into this, but I want, I, want to, I want to talk about this one thing real quick, and then we'll come back. I'm going I'm to come back in a couple of weeks or a week or so, maybe on Sunday, and I'm going to give you some faith principles for pulling down strongholds. Because you can't pull down a stronghold except in faith. And one of, them is, one of the principles I want to give you is something called a determined effort. Come on, say this. Say a determined effort. Now, I want to show you something. Go to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to finish with this. Ooh, this is good. Say a determined effort. We're going to come back and talk about the other two uh, faith principles because they're found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when it says that uh, we, 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 we cast down uh, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and we bring into captivity through obedience. Obedience is how you tear down strongholds. Aligning your thoughts with the thoughts of God is how you bring down strongholds. Having a determined effort will bring down strongholds. You got Joshua? Now, how many of you know that when we go to Joshua, what do we usually read? <laughs> Boy, that's a stronghold. That, I'm, I'm telling you, that's a stronghold. Because people say, go to Joshua, you already talking about, on the beat out, strong and very courageous. You already know, see? But we ain't going to look at one and eight. Because why Joshua 1 and 8 is important, what really is important is why he was saying what he said in verse 1 through 8 when he started talking in verse 9. Now, let me show you something here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. We done read it, okay? Let's look at verse 9. Joshua says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, what, now, now, now notice this. 
Joshua is speaking to a group of people, okay? He says to them in verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? He says, I'm telling you, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. He says, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Now, how many of you know that sounds like a good thing? Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded all of the officers of the people, saying, because understand, I want you to understand what's happening here. After Moses dies, you know, they've got captains of the host. They've got captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, captains of tens. And so he tells all the captains, he says, you go tell all your people this thing. Now watch this. He says, pass through the host, pass through the whole 2.3 million people that's out there in the wilderness, and command the people, saying, prepare your victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. So he's just giving them a commandment. He says, say it, I want you to get your stuff together because in three days you're going to the promised land and it's going to be the land that God told you you could have. Amen? Verse 12. It says, in the Reubenites, it says, in the Reubenites and the Gadites and to half of the tribe of Manassas. Now, I don't have all the time to teach you why he said half, okay? But basically, the reason he said half was because Manassas was Joseph's first son. And he had two groups of kids. One of his sons had all sons, and one of his sons had all daughters. And the daughters couldn't possess land, okay? They couldn't have land during that time, so he said to half of the tribe, okay? But don't get caught up in the halves. Just stay with the story. He says, to half of the tribe of Manassas spoke Joshua saying, Here's what he said to half the tribe, to the men. Here's what he said now. Watch this. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren, armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Verse 15. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then you shall return unto the land of your possession, and you shall enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan, toward the sunrise. Now, here's what happens, because I'm, I'm, this is a story, and you've got to learn how to read the Bible. What happens is, Joshua says to, the hat, to, hat, to all the men of Manasseh's tribe, he said, the Lord's already given you rest, Barry. This whole side over here belongs to you. But you are going to come over here with your brothers, and you're going to cross over this Jordan. You're going to help them defeat the enemy. And then once the Lord gives them rest, then you're going to return back to your land that the Lord's already given you. Okay? That's what, that's what, that's what, he, that's what he commanded them, okay? Look at this. Look at verse. Look at this. Keep reading. It says, "Until well, in verse 15, it says, until the Lord has given your brethren rest and has given you, given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sun rising." Verse 16. And they answered Joshua. Now notice what they said: "All that thou commandest us, we will what." And whithersoever thou send us, we will what? 
according as we hearkened unto Moses, they said just like we listened to Moses in all the things that he said, so will we hearken, listen, and do unto thee. Only the Lord, thy God, be with us, just like he was with Moses. Now watch this. They took verse 18 a step further. Watch what they say. Whatsoever he be that doeth, it says, whosoever he be that doeth rebel against your commandments, Joshua, and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him to do. Watch what they said they're going to do. We shall do what? Put him to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Now, 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 now don't, don't lose this. Joshua says to them, I'm going to, the Lord's already given you this half. You're going to go over there with your brothers. Y'all going to cross the Jordan. Y'all going to, y'all going to defeat the Canaanites. And when after you do that, then you're going to come back to your land. Okay? Say that say determined effort. Go to, go to chapter 17. Go to chapter 17. Because you got to read the Bible. It's just a story. It's just a story. Go to chapter 17. Don't forget what Joshua told him. Joshua told him they were going to drive out the inhabitants of the land, didn't he? Isn't that what he said? He said, you're going to drive them out. He said, the Lord's going to be with you. You're going to drive them out of the land. But how many know God can give you a promise that you're going to do something? But if you don't have determined effort, it'll never get done. Oh, watch this. Are you in chapter 17? Let's look at verse 12. Now, when you look at chapter 17, verse 1 through 12 is all about all the sons and who had all the who's and who's or whatever. But look at verse 12. Now, we even go up to verse 7. Let's go up to verse 7. It says, And the coast of Manassas was from Asher to some other place that lies beyond Shechem, and the border went along on the right hand unto the inhabitants of another place. It says, Now Manassas had the land of one place, but another place on the border of Manassas belonged to the children of Ephraim. Verse 9, And the coast descended uh, unto the river of some place southward of the river. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manassas. The coast of Manassas also was on the north side of the river, and the outgoings of it were at the sea. In other words, he's just giving you the borders of where they were. Okay, he's giving you the borders of all these different places. You can get caught up in the names if you want to. But he's getting, he's getting all, he's, I'm trying to give you a picture. He, he said they from, they from here to here to here to here and back over here. See, people be trying to be deep. Y'all can't pronounce the name neither. All right, let's watch this. Watch this. Verse 10. It says, southward it was Ephraim's and northward it was Manasseh's and the sea is his border. And they met together in Asher on the north and in Issachar on the east. In verse 11, and Manasseh had in Issachar and in Asher's Beshion and her towns. And it goes on to name a couple of things. Look at verse 12. It says, yet the children of Manasseh could not, watch this, they could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. But the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Okay? Now what was their commandment? To do what? To drive out the inhabitants of that land. That's what Joshua told them they were going to be able to do. But the Bible says they could not do it. Now, let's find out why they couldn't do it. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but they did not utterly drive them out. Now, in in other words, here's what he says. When they finally got strong enough, they took the children, they took the Canaanites and made them slaves, but they couldn't drive them out of the land. All right, watch this. Go to verse 14. 
It says, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord has blessed me here too? Now notice how Joshua answers them. If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Pharisees and of the giants if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph says, watch this, the hill is not enough for us and all the who that dwell in the land of the valley, what do they have? Chariots of iron. Both they who are of the Bishin and her towns and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. Sound like they complain to me.